Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Amen. But we thank God for today. I, I, I started something. I started talking about um, Romans chapter 12, the church life. Let's all say the church life. Please say it again. Someone asked me, what do you mean by the church life? The church life, you see, yesterday when we were doing the workers' meeting, someone asked a very interesting and a very good question. Don't worry, I'm going to talk about football, okay? Don't worry. He asked a very interesting question, a very important question, because I made a statement, and listen, I'm going to repeat that. I said, I said that when Christ comes, he's not coming back for, he's not coming to collect Christians. He's coming back for the church. And then somebody asked me the question, but if you say that, what's the meaning? Because Christians, church is made up of Christians. So is the, if you can say Christ is not coming for the church, and for the, sorry, for the, for Christians, just Christians, but for the church, what exactly do you mean? And I explained this because we have to understand that, you see, we have been called into a church life, not just a Christian life. A church life. The church is a community of people. One, we share, we have, listen to this very beautiful thing. You know the difference between a body and a business? The church is not a business. The church is a body. That's why it's a problem when pastors and pastors run the church like a business. Because the church is not a business. It's different from Tesco. <laughs> Though the same people you see in Tesco are the people you see in church. Or Asda, or Morrison, or Sainsbury's, or wherever. The same. The same people you see at the, see at the train station, the bus are the same people you see in church. So what's the difference between a body and a business? A business has not got a life, the body has got a life. That's one. Number two, the church is not an, just an organization. Okay, that a church is an organism. The difference between an organization and an organism, watch this, an organization is the assembling of different parts together to make one unit. So different, different, different aspects, different department, different parts, we, are, we come together and it's kind of a one unit. Whilst a body, watch this, a body is different in the sense that a body has one shared life. So if you cut my fingernail, or if you cut my finger, the blood that flows out is the same blood that will flow out if you cut my ankle. Same blood, because one life. Do you realize that um, when, we, when we were children, malaria was quite a common, my common friend. So every now and then. And sometimes you are sick or you have a headache. You go to the hospital and then they give you injection no, my problem is not here. My problem is my head. Why do you give me the injection there? I've got a major, some big problem in my legs. And you are giving me some intravenous infusion from here. The problem is not here, it's there. But you know what? Anything that enters here affects every part of the body. That's the, a body is one shared life. So anything that affects the ear, guess what? Affects the whole body. Anything that affects their toe, guess what? Affects their whole body. That's the difference between a body and an organization. 
uh, sorry, an, uh, uh, a body and uh, an organization, or an organism and an organization. An organism is one shared life. Whilst, so if the life leaves, the whole organism is wasted. But whilst an organization one is different, different conglomeration of different parts, bringing them together to make one thing. So when I talk about the church life, Jesus is not coming for individuals. <laughs> Jesus, there's no way in the Bible you find him, uh, the Bible says that God is coming back for a me or a him or a she or a her. He's coming for an us, US. An us because no one can be by yourself. So Jesus died for the church. Not for, so there is a problem if you are a Christian and you are not part of a local church, which is a local expression of a universal church, there is a problem about, a big question mark about your Christianity. It takes Christians to make a church. Alright, so when it's coming, it's not about, okay, you are not like this, you are not like this. When I was growing up, we were made to feel that when Christ comes, he, he will leave you. No, it's coming once you are part of the church. It's like you're in a plane. If the plane is bound to Heathrow, is bound Heathrow, or is going to land in Heathrow, once you are, whether in first class, second class, third class, fifth class, we are all going to go to Heathrow. Remember the story about that gentleman who was traveling to Lagos? And he was told that this is your first time on the plane. Well, as soon as you sit in the plane, don't get down or don't get up. Just sit down till the plane arrives. Where they, so he, as soon as he entered the plane, he went to sit uh, and sat in the business class. <laughs> and they came and told him that, sir, you are not supposed to sit here because this is your seat is over there. He said, no, no, I'm not going anywhere. He <laughs> said, no, no, you have to. He said, no, 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 leave me alone. Why? You discrimination. Because I'm black. Why? <laughs> <laughs> It's all racism. Oh no. So they did everything. They said, said, if you don't move, the plane is not taking off. Everybody tried for 30 minutes. This man, all kinds of uh, display. And they even brought some airport officials, security officials, to come and get him off the plane if he would not move. He said, I'm not moving anywhere. And he became a toy. And the guy was a very strong man who's been eating a lot of pounded yam and eba. So everybody was careful about it. <laughs> and guess what? One brother in the plane said, don't worry, leave him for me, I know what to do. So he went to the guy and whispered something in his ears. As soon as he whispered, the guy, this guy who said, I will not get up, got up, took his back, and then he went straight to where he was going. Went to sat down. A few seconds, everybody was surprised. What did you tell the man? He said, oh, don't worry, I just told him that this part of the plane is not going to Lagos. It's going to Abuja. <laughs> Is the other, if you are going to Lagos, the other side, this one is going to Abuja. <laughs> Later did he know that once you are in the plane and it lands, wherever it lands, you are there. Once you are a member of the church, once you are a part of the church, and Jesus said, I'm coming for the church, then when he's coming, provided you are still in church, you are still in faith. Ah, this is interesting theology, isn't it? We were taught all kinds of religious ideas. And so God, this is a good one, God is the God of the church. 
God is a church God. Let's say that together. One more time, please. So if you don't like the church, I'm sorry. God can't help you. Because God is, he loved the church so much that he had to come and die for the church. Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says that husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church, not the people. He loved, God so loved the world, but Christ loved the church. And died for the church, not for the world. He gave himself so that anyone in the world can become part of the church. Right. So when he's coming back, guess what he's coming for? A church. He's coming for what he died for and nothing else. And so those of us who have had the privilege, ow, it's a privilege to be in church. Don't let our modern day community society make you feel like, oh, being in church, you are wasting your time. Don't make church second class. Don't make church like when you have time. Make church, make your worship central in your life. If you make God central, he will make you central in life. But if you make God second class in life, you will remain where you are. You are on your own. Our community and our society and our generation makes people feel it's a mistake to place worship and make worship important. But brothers and sisters, worship is important. Don't wait till you get to a certain stage in your life and you realize that all your life is vain and empty without God. Without God, your life is empty. There's no meaning to your life. Doesn't matter, you can spend, it doesn't matter how much you spend on your hair. Guess what? Last three months you did it. Spend so much money. Now you have to make another, do another one. I know some people, they are only about six months, but that's okay. <laughs> it depends on who you are, but then some, <laughs> It doesn't matter how much money you spend on your car. Life is meaningless without God. May I tell someone? Life is meaningless without God. Life is meaningless without God. Life is mean, I don't believe, I don't believe it's your own problem. I'm telling you, life is meaningless without God. It doesn't matter whether you believe or not, you will find out later. But life is meaningless without God. Yes, yes. So don't let anybody bully you and intimidate you out of worship. No one qualifies. Don't give anyone that privilege of intimidating you out of worship. Later on only to realize that they have gone ahead. You are now struggling. Bishop David Oyedipo said, you can't place God first and be last in life. It can't happen. It cannot happen. Ce n'est pas possible. Ce n'est pas possible, happiness. <laughs> church life, say church life. So he has called us into the church. Oh, oh. Ah, so he saved us so he can be in church. Yes, sir. Really? Why is it that then church people are so funny because you are one of them? <laughs> He's not dealing with us based on our physical strength. Other than that, he wouldn't have saved us. He's dealing with us based on our relationship with him through Christ. 
So what's the definition of the church? The definition of the church is Christ in you, Christ in her, Christ in me, Christ in them, Christ in us. That is the church. So now, this church life we have been called to live. How do we live the church life? Romans chapter 12, I want to submit to you the five aspects of the church life. Five aspects. Romans chapter 12, right from verse... Nine. Romans 12, verse 9 and 10 says that, let love be without hypocrisy. I told you the other time on Wednesday that the Greek word translated hypocrisy is anupokritos, and anupokritos is like, let it be not fake, let it be genuine. If, if, you, if you are loving, let it be genuine, okay? When you love, it says that, let love be without Hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Anything, that's the church life. Anything that looks evil, abhor it. But let me just um, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Yeah, in honor preferring one another. So now the first, first aspect of the church life is one. The, is towards others, towards others, okay? So we have the church life is towards others. The second, I'll, I'll explain it all. The second one is towards God. The second one is towards ourselves. Oh, sorry, the third one towards ourselves. Fourth one towards the, uh, the persecutors and enemies. And the fifth one towards people in general, all men in general. So if you are a church woman, a church man, or a Christian for that matter, which many people understand and appreciate it better. If you are a Christian, then first of all, you have a responsibility towards others, other Christians. So a Christian who can relate to other Christians is a, is a questionable Christian. As for me, hmm. Hey, this church thing I go, I don't like anybody there. These people, they are all hypocrites, and you are the biggest one talking. If you have been forgiven your sins, then you appreciate the value of accepting others. Because in the first place, God didn't have any business accepting you. I mean, if you look at yourself and look at the things you've done in the past. Even people are seated here right now. The kind of thoughts that have been going through your mind. <laughs> if people find out what you are thinking, hey, in church, ah, at least wait after you leave church. Why are you thinking like that about that lady? Why are you thinking about that, that brother? Why are you thinking about that, about that food? <laughs> so we are very interesting uh, creatures, human beings. So then if God should relate to us based on who we are, we will not have any chance. So I always tell church people, stop pointing fingers at people. Why do you think that's for you? It's okay for you to be in church, but that, this person, ah, hey, hmm. Leave them to God and concentrate on yourself because I think there's a few mess around you. <laughs> it doesn't sound nice at all, isn't it? But it sounds so true. 
So stop focusing on others and thinking God shouldn't listen to others, thinking God shouldn't bless this person the way he's blessing him, thinking that God, look at this, I mean, I even fast better than this one, God, I think I deserve a better husband. (laughs) I deserve a better wife. Because you see somebody's wife, you think you should have her. You see, that tells us who you are. So, first of all, it's relationship towards others or uh, towards others. So, the church life has everything to do with how we treat other believers. That's where it starts from. Because the church life is a community life. It's a corporate life. Do you know one thing I discovered about God? Very interesting. God doesn't work with men, doesn't, is not interested in collecting many individuals. Is interested in working with one person. In other one, one, one man. All of us are one. Have you thought about this? Why didn't he create many Adams? Think about it. I mean, God could have done that. Yeah. It's very easy. Look at the animals. He just created them, let them, and they were there. They were just coming. So God could have even Eve. He could have said, "Okay, Adam, Eve, come." Could have created Adam and Eve, or could have created a few of them, first family. So you create Adam and Eve, create some nice other daughters and nice other sons, create all of them together, then boom, then it starts. No, but he created one. That's how God works. He created one man, and then when that one man needed another person, because you see, he, watch, watch, listen, God did not create Adam to be by himself. He created Adam for a relationship because God is a community even in, in himself. God, I've said it before, God is the self-contained community. Three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Because God believes in community. God is a family God. He calls himself Father. Family terminology. Please, let me digress to say this. If you have the privilege of having children, or be married, please don't be in a hurry to leave that man. Or in a hurry to leave that woman. Or don't be in a hurry to leave the children. Because God has family on his mind. God blesses families. So when you are doing something that is going to pull family down and expecting God to bless you anyway, it's going to have a it's going to be a problem. Oh, me, I'm tired. I can't handle this woman again. I'm tired. The children will manage it. They know I love, I love them. It's not, it's not just about that. Commitment to their future and their family blessing and the legacy of heaven over, over their family means that some of us need to pay extreme prices to keep family going. Somebody say family. Family. God thinks about family. Why did he say that? Honor your mother and your father so it will be well with you. Think about it. Mother and father. Family terminology. God is a family God. He describes himself, God the Father, God the Son. He's a family God. So anyone who trivializes family is trivializing something that's at the heart of God. That is why he has to even call the church a family. It's serious. So brothers and sisters, those of us who are not yet married, don't be in a hurry to grab someone. Because once you start family, you get God's attention. And if you break family, you get God's attention in a different way. So that's why don't jump to start making family with somebody because you just love his body or like her, like her body. That's right. Like the way she dresses. That's not what life is about. Is it true? Yes. 
And so God is a family-minded God. Let's all say that together. God is One more time, please. Brothers and sisters, let us, us, let us speak out, speak up, and possibly use our votes. Anything that not marginalizes family is destroying our community yeah. and our society. Yeah. Some people can't clap, but that's fine because I can, I can understand. No, don't let us break down family. Don't let us be quick to take the children from their parents. To take, I don't, I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do what protects people and, and helps and keeps people's safety at heart. But I'm saying that let us be careful we don't break families. Let us be careful we don't replace anything, uh, we don't replace family values with some socialist ideologies. Because it will come back to bite us. It's like shooting ourselves in the feet. That's why we, we celebrate debut dedications, we celebrate families coming together. These things are important. We will stand by you to make your marriage work. We will stand by you to make your family work. Your boys need you to be together. Your girls need you to be together. It's nice, and mom, dad, let's go. It's nice. Sometimes so situations don't always turn out like that. As you grow in life, you realize that. Because some people are dangerous. <laughs> But what I'm trying to say is we have to fight as much as we can to make sure the family unit is, up, is as upheld because it's very important. When you do that, it gives better position for the society to move on. There, so as I said, in the scriptures in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it said love. So you realize that the one aspect of the church life is towards others. Verse 9 talks about how let love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil, think what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor preferring, in honor giving preference to one another, in honor. You see, that's church for you. Have you noticed how I've been in several conferences where church service may close or the conference may close and Cars are driving out, or you know, and then someone is just crossing you, and people are even struggling. People are coming for church, and they are fighting over car uh, park. Bible says, in honor, preferring others. No, that one is not part of this. I break through gospel at all. Why should I prefer someone? You fight with someone with uh, for a seat. Why have you come to sit on my seat? This is my seat because they've written my name on it. This is my seat. In, in, in honor doing what? Giving preference to one another. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, it says something similar. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, it says something similar. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That is the church life. So the way we relate to people, why would you be a Christian in a church and a Christian in Christ and you are fighting with another Christian? First aspect of the church love is towards others. Say towards others. Towards others. Towards other believers in particular. Towards other Christians. Brothers and sisters, let's be sympathetic towards one another. 
someone will step on your toe, yes. But let's be sympathetic. That's the Christian gospel, the church life. It's very important. So say towards others. And the second one is towards God. In the verse 11, look at verse 11. In verse 11 of Romans chapter 12, he said, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving God. Let's all say that together. Fervent in spirit, serving God. One more time. Fervent in spirit, serving God. I wanted you to say, so I, I wanted to notice those who are not serving God fervently. Let's say it again. Let me check. Let's say fervent in spirit, serving God. Let's say it again. Fervent in spirit, serving God. Fervent in spirit. Boiling in the spirit. Keep your spiritual temperature up. It's the Christian life. You can't live a Christian. When people say, oh, I can't, I can't be bonded. They serve, they go. And there are people who are in church, but they don't do anything. And you are growing. You don't do anything. When you are absent, no one notices your absence. You can go for three weeks losing weight. No one. <laughs> but there are some people, they are so useful. If they miss once, everybody will be looking for them. That tells the value. If, if your absence in the community of believers is not noticed, I think it's a problem. You are not fervent in spirit enough. We must belong, because when you, are, when you belong to a house and you are not there, people must, know, they must notice that you are not there. Or it's 3 p.m. and you are still not, you've not still come out of your room. People must notice that you've not come out of your room. Fervent in spirit. In other words, in our Christian work, it is incumbent on us to do anything that lies within our power to charge ourselves. Find your flame. Find your passion for God. Find your passion for God. Find your passion for God. It pays to be passionate about God and not sleep in church. Find your passion for God. Find your passion. <laughs> Tell someone, find your passion for God. Pastor David, I hear people say, that's for the, it's, it, God knows my heart. It's just in the heart, so it doesn't matter. One day I know I will do something, or one day I know I will serve God more. One day I know I will be regular. One day I know, you know, please. Today is the tomorrow you were talking about yesterday. Today is the day. Find your passion for God. So he said, fervent in spirit is the church life. Watch this. That means that we have been called to love one another. We have been called to love God and be on fire for God. When you are on fire for God, demons find it difficult to harass you. Witches are no problem. When you are going to bed, you can, when you are labor, you can scream. That's the Christian life. When you are fervent in God, no demon can take you. It's you yourself. How can a Christian be afraid of demons? Think about it. Afraid of demons? How? You don't understand where you are? You don't understand your, your placement in God? Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 that was he lifted him far above principalities. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 said we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Yeah. 
associated with Christ Jesus. So if Jesus is far above principalities and powers, verse 19 and 20, far above principalities and powers, and in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 6 of Ephesians, say that we are seated together with Christ Jesus in heaven, then we are far above principalities and powers. It says that, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, put on the whole armor of God, that you having done all things be able to stand. The devil is not a problem. Witches are the least, should be the least of your problem. Witches, ha! They are the cheapest, the least of demonic powers. So they should be the least of your problem. They should see you and run away. They should see you. Instead of you, whoa, whoa, we are afraid of a witch. You are afraid of a what? But when you are, the problem is many people, when you are fervent, two things. First of all, who is teaching you? It's so important. You are as good as your teacher. If you are not taught what God's word is saying, your spiritual destiny will always be suffering. Because the devil likes that. You must know what the documents are saying. Find out the terms of your engagement from the scriptures. That's one. So you must be taught. And then two, you must be on fire. Because if you know everything Bible is saying and your spiritual life is not on fire, you are not, you, you will try and be like the sons of Sceva. In the name of Jesus, we cast you out. We cast you out. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. We cast you out. By the Jesus who Paul preaches, a demon will say, hey. <laughs> Jesus, I know. I admit that he's powerful. Paul, I know, because he's fervent in the spirit. But you, who are you? You know what I've discovered? Don't, I, this is a good one, don't miss this one. Listen to this. Don't be so much, so much tense or trying to not to uh, fall into temptation. Be on fire and you will fall into temptation. You want to avoid falling into temptation? Stop trying to stop falling into temptation because most of the time it's not successful. You haven't, deserved, haven't you noticed that? Most times, not, keep your fire burning. That's why you have to be in church, be in prayer meetings, be in Bible studies. Be, be, find yourself in a place where your fire can be activated. Yes. It's easier when you are on fire to deal with all the cold stuff. Right. Yes. But if your anointing, if your oil has congealed or coagulated uh-huh. and has become like butter, <laughs> You know, when you go to the uh, breakfast, English breakfast, or the hotel, some of the butter, because it's hard in the fridge, you are trying to even put it on the bread, and then the bread rather is suffering, the butter is hard. Some people's anointing is like that. It's hard, it's, it's, it, has, it has congealed. So you need some Holy Ghost heat. You have to fan into flame. Second Timothy chapter one, verse six, he said that stay up, stay up the gift. You have to do the stirring, not the Holy Ghost. Fan into flame your fire. Fan it up. Fan it. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up, sister. Stir, don't just look at me like that. But stir your fire. <laughs> Shout hallelujah. So your love towards God or your is towards God. Number three, I have to just end now. Number three, towards, towards others. No, no. First one towards, oh sorry, number three is towards ourselves. 
towards yourself. That's why I took time to teach on identity in Christ. Your attitude, the way you know, understand who you are, your attitude towards yourself. And he said, don't be lazy. Laziness spoils a lot of potentials and opportunities. How many of us have discovered that by now? Some have been discovered. Don't worry, as you grow, you'll find out. Laziness spoils a lot of potentials. That's in verse 12. But I don't want to elaborate on that because of time. And then verse, in the verse 14, 17 to 21, talks about towards the persecutors and our enemies. When you are a Christian, the church life, it shows you how to live your life towards your enemies. Bless, verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Did you see that? Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 17, verse 17 says that, repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceable, peaceable with all men. Live peaceable with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but, re- but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. All right? Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, what should you do? Hide the food. <laughs> Christian life. Church life. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give if you know he's thirsty. Okay? It's different. He's not thirsty and you're trying to go and give him water and things like that. No, that's different. If you know someone is genuinely in need and it's in your power to help, don't say this one is not, I don't, I don't like him, so I won't help him. Do it. That's Christianity. That's the church life. Feed him. Give him to drink. For in so doing, what happens rather? You are heaping coals of fire on his head. Can you imagine someone has been gossiping about you, has fought you, and, uh, and one day it's raining so bad, and uh, no, no, all the buses are not working properly. And it's in a hurry to go somewhere. You are driving this, your nice car, and then you see I give the person a ride. They will be sitting in the car, but feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and you are just cool. You are loving them. So do good to those who hate you. All right? That's Christian message. And then, I like the verse 21 so much. Let's all read the verse 21 together. I want you to read it out loud. Let's go. But overcome evil. Let's, again, please, loud. Can we have the ladies read it? Ladies, louder, please. Let's go. Okay, all of us together, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you overcome evil? How do you overcome evil? How do you overcome evil? Someone is doing you evil, don't do evil back. Overcome evil with good. Who says? Who says? No, people don't have to teach themselves. No, Bible says, are you a believer? That's what the word of God says. Oh, but I don't believe in the word of God at this point. That's where you miss God. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
and then finally towards uh, in general before all men your attitude the aspect it relates to all men the verse 17 let's look at verse 17 again in the verse 17 of Romans chapter 12 repay no evil for evil have regard for good things in the sight of how many people in the sight of all men and as you do that I see God blessing you when you do that you give credibility to your dancing in church you give credibility to your praying and fasting and everything begins to fall in perspective because then you engage heaven because you are living the church life and God is committed to the church not to anybody all things work together for good to those who love the Romans chapter 8 verse 28 all things work together for good to those who are called of the Lord who love God and are called according to his purpose so your love for him first and then his purpose not our purpose I speak a blessing over your life. I speak that God will empower you. The grace of God will be strong on us to live the Christian life in all its aspects. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, every weakness in our body, the Bible says that by strength is made perfect in weakness. We tap into the grace of God. That gives us strength. That makes God strong where we, we know we are weak. In the name of Jesus. Just begin to pray and say, God, strengthen me to walk with you. Just pray, just pray that prayer. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at charis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Charis Ministries. Stay blessed.